Well, hello again, and welcome to the second talk in our Advent series, A Thrill of Hope. This December, you might have realised we are using the words of the well-known carol, O Holy Night, as our starting point for looking at the Christmas story and why the birth of Jesus can bring us hope to us and our world in the 21st century. And today, our theme is hope in our weakness. Verse two of the carol says, The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials born to be our friend. He knows our need, to our weakness no stranger. Behold your King, before him lowly bend. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? A king in a manger, born to be our friend. And our minds might immediately go to school nativity plays and Christmas cards and animals lowing, and whenever do we use that word apart from in a way in a manger, and a serene Mary placing a baby who apparently never cries in a pristine hay trough. Uh, but what does this romanticised and, and unrealistic image of the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago have to do with the grim reality of human weakness? After all, human weakness can mean that we can be poleaxed by severe blows in our life. It can mean that our health can trickle or flood away at any time. Or that we can feel the impossibility of being able to carry on when we have to deal with one disappointment or difficulty after another. Human weakness means that for all our cleverness and our science, the world still seems dominated by human greed and racism and sexism and all the other isms and inequality and violence and indifference to the suffering of others. And in those moments of real honesty, we know that human weakness is a fundamental part of our character that we are not always part of the solution, but part of the problem. Maybe lockdown has revealed some cracks in our relationships, or even our foundations, or even our self-control. Maybe we are conscious of those no-go issues in our lives that we've failed to deal with so many times, and we just can't bring ourselves to go there again, or go there for the first time even. We all struggle to fulfil our God-given potential as a human being. And genuine change is very hard. One of our major supermarkets has an advert this Christmas, which taps into our fundamental preference to ignore our failings and treat ourselves to the luxuries we think we deserve. You've probably seen it. People come on screen and they confess their lockdown misdemeanours and they wonder if they're on the naughty list. And the ad ends with the line, after the year we've had, there is no naughty list. Go ahead and indulge yourself. I sometimes think that Father Christmas has become the preferred God of Western society because for all the talk of a naughty list, he never criticises, he never judges, and he just hands over the loot. So I come back to the question. How does the birth of Jesus 2,000 years ago give us hope in our weakness? There is wonderfully good news here for all of us. And the first reason is that God addresses human weakness. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't minimise it 
or justify it or paper over the cracks as we sometimes do because he cares too much for us to do that. In our nativity story today, we saw the story of Joseph, which is introduced in Matthew chapter 1 like this. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Joseph was a hurting, disappointed man. The future he had imagined of a loving, faithful wife with whom he could build a family seemed shattered. He was a good man and he cared for Mary, so he wasn't going to trumpet her apparent unfaithfulness for all to see. But although he cared for her, he did not trust her. Although he wasn't going to publicly shame her, he was going to abandon her to a life of shame. And God addresses Joseph in his weakness. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He gives Joseph in his weakness and sadness reassurance that God was in his circumstances, despite appearances. He gives him revelation that his difficulties are part of God's purposes for his life and for the wider world. And he calls Joseph to a response to enter into God's plans. I think God could have done without Joseph in the birth of Jesus, but he decided instead to address his weaknesses and involve him. And he wants to do the same with us if we will let him. Secondly, God understands human weakness. When Jesus left the glory of heaven to be born as a vulnerable human child, he fully entered into the human experience, not for his own benefit, but for ours. We can look at Jesus and know that as a child, he probably skinned his knees when he was running too fast and fell over that he lived among family squabbles and had to deal with difficult family dynamics at times, that he would have experienced raging hormones as a teenager, that he got hungry, thirsty and tired, that sometimes he just needed to get away from the pressures other people were putting on him and recharge his batteries with his heavenly father, that he went through sadness and bereavement, as well as the temptation to take the easy path rather than the right path. The title he was given, Emmanuel, God with us, is a precious name because it means that he chose to go through the human experience and he sympathises with us as one of us. Alison Gerber puts it like this, when God had the chance to offer hope for the whole world, he put that hope where anyone in the world could reach him. Here, among the animals, among their sweat and dung, no one could say, he's too good for me. Thirdly, God loves us in our weakness. 
The very fact that God sent Jesus proves how much he loves us. How hard it is when a relationship goes wrong to make the first move in putting things right. How much more commitment to that relationship does it take when you are the person who has been wronged? Yet that is precisely what Jesus did. As humans, our faults and our mistakes hurt other human beings and ourselves, but they are first and foremost a sin against God. Yet Jesus chose to become human and to endure hardship, refugee status, misunderstanding, slander and death on an instrument of torture so that we could be forgiven and make that relationship right. As a man, he acquired a name that was meant as a condemnation. The religious leaders called him a friend of sinners because he made a habit of mixing with those who had made some bad choices in life. Jesus' response to the criticism was to tell them to go away and work out how to be more merciful and that it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You see, they were worried about contamination. But Jesus is interested in transformation. He is interested in befriending those who are humble and honest enough to recognise that they need help. He calls them to repent, to turn their thinking and their lives around, and to live empowered by the personal knowledge of God's immense love and grace. Which brings us on to our fourth point, that God can help us in our weakness. It means a lot that to us that Jesus became a human being to identify with humanity and to love it from within, as it were. But when we're in trouble, we need someone stronger than ourselves to save us. Every year there are tragedies when someone drowns by diving in to save a struggling swimmer. But when we call the Coast Guards out, they have the strength training, the equipment and the expertise to do the job properly. If Jesus had been exactly the same as us, he would not be able to help us out of the predicament of our sinful human nature. But Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we do have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Jesus the man was able to speak with God's authority and to become a sacrifice capable of paying the price for sin precisely because he was also in his very nature God, fully human and fully divine. And he was able to turn Zacchaeus the tax collector from a dishonest miser into a joyously open-handed man. He was able to turn a murderous zealot like Saul into a man like Paul, who saw it as a privilege to suffer for Christ. He was able to heal outcast lepers and return them to health and community. And in him, we find the hope in our weakness. So how do we access this help? Well, the first thing we need to do is to receive him. We have to start by asking Jesus for the new life that he died to make possible for us. It's not enough to accept that we were created by God. We need to become adopted into his family as one of his children. 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. If you have never done it before, I would urge you to turn your back on living for yourself. Receive Jesus as the Lord of your life and as your saviour. And receive not only life for eternity, but a new quality of life now. When we've done that, we need to start putting down deep roots. In his famous parable of the sower, Jesus speaks of some seed that falls on rocky ground and then it springs up, but it withers for lack of moisture. And he explained that illustration by saying that those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Life is hard and being a Christian is tough. Becoming a Christian is the start of a lifelong journey. And to grow strong, we need to put down roots into what nourishes us. The word of God constant prayer communication with our Heavenly Father and the kind of Christian friendships which challenge, support and strengthen us in our walk with Jesus. But we also need to be alert. When Jesus asked his closest followers to pray with him on the night he was to be arrested, he told them to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's a phrase we sometimes use because Jesus knew that in each one of us there is a part which loves God and is eager to stand for him no matter what, but also that we need God's help in overcoming our human weakness, our cowardice, our fickleness, our willingness to give up when things get hard, our desire to settle for comfort and our lack of faith. The key to being ready for whatever life throws at us and to overcome is not to become complacent and to constantly allow God to examine our heart and renew our mind. Part of that is acknowledging our weaknesses. The only person God can't help is the one who does not acknowledge that they need it. The Apostle Paul did acknowledge the war inside himself between following his sinful inclinations and being led by the Holy Spirit. And it was not an easy thing for him to do. He was planting churches and leading churches all around the Roman world. And his humility didn't always earn him respect from Christians who had totally bought into a culture of bigging yourself up. It takes real courage to admit to yourself and to God and to others that you haven't got it all together. But it's the only way to allow God to deal with the issue. Only then is God's power released in our life. That's why Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak then I am strong. And if we do this, we can experience grace and renewal. When we acknowledge our weakness, he will raise us up. 
Jesus did not crush the weak. He shows us mercy and kindness. He is the best kind of friend who refuses to condemn you, but doesn't let you off the hook. He refused to allow others to condemn um, and to stone to death an adulterous woman because they were sinful people themselves. But he himself refused to condemn her, even though he did have the right to do so. And then, having literally saved her life, he sent her off into a new way of living. Go and leave your life of sin. If you are a Christian feeling condemned, the source of that condemnation is not God. Jesus died to spare you that. He is telling you that grace, mercy and the strengthening of the Holy Spirit is always available to you as a dearly loved child of God. It is worth trying again in his power. Someone once asked a parent whose child was having issues all over the place with their behaviour at school, at church and practically every social situation. What do you do when you just don't know what to do? And he replied, I get close to my little boy. I pull him close and I say to him, I love you too much to let you do this to yourself. And this is why Jesus gives us hope in our weakness. Hope that the world can be changed one difficult child at a time. When Jesus was born, God came close, as close as love can come. And he came to stop us hurting ourselves. <laughs>